That's one of the sure things that they are going. They're praising him on Sunday because he's entering into the into the uh, city on Sunday, and they're praising and and worshiping him and doing all those things. But he knows by Friday they're going to be yelling, crucifying. They're going to be yelling. We don't know this man. They're even going to, listen, at the very beginning when he's walking into the city, they're saying, behold the king of Israel. They're saying, Hosanna, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And by Friday, they're going to tell Pilate, we have no king but Caesar. It feels like it would be like tainted. Like, even though they're saying all that, and on the inside, he's like, it doesn't really hold any. Oh, yeah. No, I'm sure he knew their hearts. And that's why... Remember in Luke, we talked about last week, Jesus came to the city and He was weeping. When He saw the city and the crowd came, and Jesus started weeping. And so He knew that they were going to turn on Him. He knew that they really didn't love Him. That even though they said He was King, even though they raised their hands and hallelujah, you know, and hosanna and all that, they didn't really want... They didn't want the Jesus that came for them. They wanted the Jesus of their own making that was going to give them exactly what they wanted. And when it turned out that Jesus didn't give them exactly what they wanted, the way they wanted, they said, forget Jesus. I'll just, I just, huh? That's no different No, it's no different at all. You see them, you know, they'll be all spiritual. You know, we've seen a hundred times. There's no need of me even going into it. Huh? Right. The Jesus that, if you'll make up your own in your mind, won't you? Like they had theirs, he was a political reigning, he was going to come wipe the Romans away. Well, if, you know, I'll make up my own Jesus. My, my Jesus is, you know, if I like drugs, then my Jesus is okay with drugs. You know, if I like lust, then my Jesus is okay with lust. If I like gossip, my Jesus is okay. You know, you'll just make him up to suit my own needs. And then we'll say, you know, I, I, I praise Jesus, you know, and really the Jesus you're talking about is not the Jesus of Scripture. Does that make sense? And they're doing this. And so he's he's troubled in his soul. What else would be troubling him? He came to... Huh? Yeah, well, he knew that in a week he was going to be hung on a cross, beaten. He was going to be... He hurt just as bad as uh, Yeah, absolutely. He was all man, all God. He hurt just as much as we do. If somebody was to take a whip across your back, it would hurt you just as much as it hurt him. And not only that, but he was about to experience the wrath of a holy father. The father was going to come and put all of his wrath for sin for the whole world down on Jesus Christ's head. And so when he was on the cross, he was suffering physically. He was, you know, death by crucifixion was usually by suffocation because you couldn't, you couldn't lift yourself up to breathe. But, you know, not to mention the bleeding and the, the, the whip and, the, you know, all the things that had been done to him before. He got on the cross, but the wrath of God was poured out upon him. So for the, think about this. The Father, the Son, the Spirit existed eternally in perfect love relationship with each other. And for all eternity, all they had ever known was love for each other. That's why we say God is love. And then for this one moment in time, all of a sudden, that bond is broken because of our sin. And for the first time in eternity, the Son experiences the wrath of the Father. 
You see? And so can you imagine Jesus when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was sweating drops of blood and, and all these things? It always bothered me that so many people in history, so many martyrs went to, the, went to their death proudly. You know, people would go into the Colosseum and be thrown to the lions for being Christians, and they would go without a hint of, of reservation or whatever. And I'm thinking, what makes these people so different than Jesus, who seemed as if he was struggling? And, you know, you know, if this cup if is able to pass for me, and it was the wrath of holy God. You see, those people that were dying in the lions, they didn't have to suffer the wrath. They were, they were pleased to go to their death because there was no wrath for them. There was no, there was no punishment. There was no anger. There was no nothing. When they were absent from that body, the moment their spirit left that body, they were... Go to be with the Lord who was pleased with them, not because of what they did, but because of what Jesus did. And so Christ, on the other hand, was going specifically to be tortured and to die, but also to face that wrath, that holy anger uh, of an eternal God. So his, his soul's troubled. And he says, so my soul's troubled. He had just told them, I'm going to die. He says, if a grain of wheat goes in the ground, unless it dies, it's going to die alone. And so they're all going like, Okay, I don't get it. And so he's explaining to him. He said, now, he's looking at his, his, his folks around him, his closest to him. He's saying, he's saying now, now, my soul is troubled. Uh, but, but what am I going to say? You know, Father, save me from this hour. Like, take, let it, take this cross from me. Don't let me go. He says, no. He said, it was for this hour that I've come. Over and over again in John, as we started at the very beginning of John, all the way up to now, you've heard it. Almost in every chapter, my hour is not yet come. My hour is not yet come. My hour is not yet come. And then last week, he said for the first time, he said, my hour has finally come. And it was for this hour that he was brought in. It's for this reason that he was brought in. Now, you might see, might see the night before as he is in Gethsemane, he does say, Lord, if it's any other way. You know, if it's any other way, you know, let this cup pass from me. But what does he say right after that? Not my will, but let thy will. Not my will, but let thy will be done. That's right. Yes. Uh, I think I read where Jesus three days in the valley of the earth. Is that interpreted as three days in hell? No, it's in in the grave, in the tomb, in the tomb. So there was no time that he spent. In hell, no. To those that were already there. No. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. That verse is that verse is talking about those in the days of Noah, and it's it's interpreted by a lot of different TV preachers as Jesus went to hell and had to wrestle the keys from the devil and all that kind of stuff. But the work of Christ was finished on the cross when He said it's finished. There was no more work to be done, and so He's He said, Father, into Thy hands I commit my spirit. And so when He died, His spirit went to be with the Father, and so that. Uh, it worked its way in where he descended into hell. It worked its way into the Apostles' Creed around the 4th or 5th century. But when it was first written, it meant the grave. Place of Sheol, place of the dead. He went to the dead. You know, he died. He put in the grave. And so we go to verse, what verse are we on? 28. 28. Okay. Jesus wanted God's glory. He said, Father, glorify thy name. I'm scared. I'm... What other trepidatious? That's the word. Uh, I'm worried. I'm I'm nervous about going through the pain of all this. I'm nervous about having the wrath of the Father poured down on my head. I'm 
I'm going on. I'm, all this is going to happen. But then he says, Father, glorify thy name. So he came and he lived and he died. He did everything to glorify God. And so that's what he's after. The glory of the Father. I live for the glory of the Father. I die for the glory of the Father. And the Father answered him. Now remember, thousands of people around. Jesus said, Father, glorify thy name. And it says, verse 28 says, Then a voice... Where is it at? There it is. Then, it, then came a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. So the Father is basically giving his approval to what the Son's doing. You see it? He says, I'm going to glorify it. I'm go- you are going to go to the cross. You are going to die. You are going to fulfill my plan. The Father decreed that there would be a way that sinners would come into glory. And that way was the death of Jesus Christ. And Christ said... You know, here I am come to this hour, and I'm troubled. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm troubled. I'm nervous. I'm worried. I'm, I'm, all these things are going on. But, Father, you glorify name, your name. And the Father says, you know what? I have glorified it in the past through all of this, and I'm going to glorify it again. Well, my Bible references back to Matthew 3.17, which when, is when God told Jesus, you know, this is my son. He told everyone, this is my son, and you know, please. Yes. And he also spoke at the Mount of Transfiguration in one of the Gospels where he said, this is my son, hear him, listen to him. And so, but the crowd didn't understand the voice. Now, I don't know if they, it was inaudible. Well, they heard it for sure, so I know it was audible, but I don't know if they understood that it was a voice. Some said it thundered, and the way you could take that would be they thought it was thunder or that there was a voice that thundered. And then others said that it was an angel that spoke to him, so they clearly understood it to be a voice. They just didn't put it together that it was God's voice. So it says, that's 29, it says, The people, therefore, that stood by and heard it said that it thundered. And that's where it, it could be interpreted to say that they heard thunder. Uh, but And it, then it says, And others said an angel spoke to him. So they there were some there that clearly heard somebody speaking to him and Jesus answered and said to them this voice came not because of me but for your sakes why now remember the father said I have glorified my name and I will glorify it again why was it for their sakes Jesus said it didn't come because of me an angel didn't speak to me it wasn't just thunder this voice that you heard didn't come because of me it came for you Exactly, yes, to bear witness that this was the Christ. To bear witness that, remember, these people, they wanted a king. They wanted, Jesus is supposed to ride into Jerusalem, and he's supposed to kick butt and take names. He's supposed to, supposed to you know, do away with our slavery, get our Roman, you know, captors and destroy them and sit on the throne of David and establish God's kingdom and make us God's people on earth again and establish the kingdom of Solomon with all the gold and the silver. And He was supposed to do all that, and he was coming and he was saying, it's not why I'm here. I'm here to die. And the people were like, huh? And so the father bore witness right there in front of all these people and said, I'm going to glorify my name. I'm going to glorify my name in exactly what you said. Does that make sense? Y'all with me? So we got the son desiring the glory of the father. Got the father desiring the glories of, of the father. And then in verse 30 through about... 
I'm going to say 32, 33. We'll read it and see. Jesus explains to them how the Father is going to glorify His name. What's about to happen that's going to be God glorifying. So in 31, this is how God... In, in 32 and 33. We'll, we'll just read them all and then I'll, we'll talk about it. It says, uh, 31, Now is the judgment of the world, of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This he said, signifying what death he should die. Now in these statements, you have three things Jesus says are going to glorify the Father. This is The passage is about giving glory to God. The passage is about God accomplishing His glory. And so He says, I'm here to die. He tells the people I'm here to die. I'm not here to take over. I'm not here to throw out the Romans. I'm not here to do all these things. And the people don't understand. We're going to see that more in a moment, that they don't understand. And He says... He says, you know, I'm troubled in my spirit about this whole thing. I know you guys are going to turn on me. I know you guys don't really love me. You just want what you want out of me. And he's weeping as he comes into Jerusalem. And then he, you know, not to mention that he knows that within a week he's going to be have the, he's going to have the whole weight of the wrath of God poured out on his head. So his soul's troubled, but he, he, he's going to do the Father's will. He wants the Father to glorify his name rather than to turn back and to run away from all of this that's going on. The Father says, oh yes, I'm going to glorify my name. And then Jesus explains to them what this glory is going to look like. He says the first thing, He's going to glorify Himself. He's going to glorify Himself in the judgment of the world. How is the cross, which is what He's talking about, if I be lifted up, you know, I'll draw them into me. This He said to talk about what kind of death He would die. How is the cross a judgment on the world? It is. It's what we deserve. The cross is, you ever thought of the cross as a judgment on the world? Where God, it's where God's wrath was poured out on all sin. It was poured out on, on the, your sins, my sins, the world. If, uh, if there was no cross, if there was no Christ, if there was no crucifixion, resurrection, if that had never happened, uh, you and I would stand before God. It's, it's a appointed man wants to die, and then what? Judgment. Face the judgment. But that judgment is meted out at the cross. Now is the judgment of the world. Not only is it it's it's where not only is where sins judged, but it's the very moment that judges us as well. Because when you stand before God, and when I stand before God, the question is not going to be, "Have you ever sinned?" <laughs> Because there's nobody that's going to be able to say, no, I never sinned. The question is going to be, what did you do with my son who died on the cross? There was a moment in history when God came to earth, took on flesh, uh, came and he gave himself a perfect, lived a perfect life, gave himself as a perfect sacrifice, died on the cross, taking on himself the holy wrath of a, of a holy father. And it was in that moment that judgment for sin was meted out. So we are judged by how we respond to that. Do we scoff and do we say, you know what, it was just a thing, it's whatever. Or do we accept that? Do we take that and say that I want that to pay for my sin. I want Christ to pay for me. I want that moment in time, that moment in history to count for my life. And so there's a judgment that's coming on the world with, uh, with the Christ being crucified, with the Messiah coming. Uh, you'd be judged based on 
you know, on what you do with that. Does that make sense? Y'all with me? Okay. The second thing is that he will glory, give glory to himself, glorify his name in the defeat of Satan. You see where it says, prince of this world will be cast out. How does the cross cast out the prince of this world? Basically, it doesn't mean thrown out of the universe, like he ain't, he's not around no more, but it means he'll be defeated, he'll be destroyed, his, his power is no more. In, in. What does it mean that, to say? Yeah. What's the one instrument that Satan has against you? If you're a saved person, trusting in the cross, born again by the Spirit of God, what's the one instrument that he has against you? Accusations. Accusations of sin. And once sin is paid for, what weapon does he have? All he can do is sit on your shoulder. Huh? He's out of bullets, right. He has no ammunition. The only thing he can do is sit on your shoulder and whisper in your ear and tell you lies. And tell you things that you, you know. Now, you can choose to believe him and go off in the wrong direction or whatever. But the reality is, if I'm a saved person, if, if I'm trusting in Christ and my heart is right, and because Jesus made it right and I'm born again, uh, Satan can stand before God. And he could say, look at what Jason did. Look, at, Jason just messed up. He just sinned. And, and I can agree with him say, yep, I sure did. I sure did. And God sees no accusation, takes no accusation against his children, against his children because of what Christ did. He says, my son paid for that. See, look, he just sinned. My son paid for that. He just sinned. My son paid for that. Does that mean that we're free to go run off and sin all day long? Okay, I think y'all know me long enough to know that that's not what I'm saying. But what a glorious thing it is to know that there is no... I mean, he can do nothing to me. I don't... You know, he can't, he can't flatten your tire. He can't rattle pots in your kitchen in the 3 o'clock in the morning or nothing like that. Forget what you've seen in the movies. You know, he's... He's an angel of light. He's not in the refrigerator? Not in... Well, he's in, he's in my refrigerator because he's, he's tempting me all the time to get in my refrigerator. But he's an angel of light that comes and says, won't you follow me? Won't you come and do this? Won't you come? It's not going to hurt you. And then when you do, he says, aha! I got you. Look, he just sinned. He just sinned. And the father's... My son's covered his sin. So... He's thrown out the power of Satan. I think over in, uh, I'm going to say Hebrews chapter 2. Somebody look up Hebrews 2.14 for me and read it. Got Bible drill here on the front row. For as much then as the children are partaking. Hey, say it louder, Miss Judy. I am liable. <laughs> for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that though death he might destroy him, that the power of death, that is the devil. That he might destroy, through his death, he destroyed him who has the power of death, that is the devil. You see it? So the cross was not only a judgment for sin in the world, but it was also a judgment taking away the ammunition, taking away the power of the prince of this world, taking away the one who could accuse the believer of sin. Now that's a very important distinction because a lot of people are running loose saying, you know what, I can sin all I want because Jesus paid for my sin and yay, let's go party. You know, if that's, that's not who I'm talking about. 
talking about people who have the Holy Spirit indwelling them, that have a new desire, don't want to sin, they want to serve God, and when they sin, it hurts them. And you know, we all got that. That's we've done that many, many a time. And the last thing, not the last thing in the passage, but the last thing that he says in this little section about how God's going to glorify His name is by Jesus's saving death. Not only is the cross the judgment of the world, not only is the cross the casting out of the ruler of the power of this world, but it is also what's going to draw God's people into Himself. How does it do that? Draw all men to me. Through salvation. Yes, it does through salvation. (laughs) The cross, that's, you're right. The cross draws all men because it's Jesus that pays for the sin. This is how God's people are brought to God. Is that kind of a crude way to put it, but God, people can't come to God with sin. They can't come to God with any kind of tainted heart, with any kind of sinful motivations. If there's anything from the time that you were born to the time that you die, if you commit one sin, you are, you are, you know, cast out of the presence of God forever because God is perfect and holy and nothing imperfect or unholy can come into his presence. Do you want to say something? Yes, once and for all. Redemption, once and for all. Yes, that's that's exactly right. And therefore, therefore, we can come, we can come to, uh, we can come to God through Christ, redeemed and holy and perfect. This this week in revival, Brother Eddie said, "I just want y'all to know I'm perfect." And of course, everybody's like. What is he talking about? You know, when a guy says you're perfect, you're like, okay, okay. You know, but of course he went on to explain, I'm perfect in Christ Jesus. In my walk, I'm not perfect. In my life, I'm not perfect. In my mind, in my thoughts, in my heart, I'm not perfect. But when the Father looks at me, I'm perfect in Christ. I'm perfect in Jesus. And so that's how he draws his people to himself. He says, if I be high and lifted up, which meant put on the cross, I'll gather all people unto me. When he says all, he's talking about the Jews and the Greeks. Remember the Greeks came and they said, we want to see Jesus. What did Jesus say when they came? Nothing. He didn't say nothing. Andrew and Philip brought him last. That was last week. Andrew and Philip brought these two Greeks, and they said, uh, "These Greeks want to see you." And Jesus said, "Now my hour has come. Unless the corn of wheat die and go in the ground and die." So it was like, can you imagine? Andrew and Philip were like, um, "These these Greeks want to see you." And Jesus was like, "Now my time has come. If a corn of wheat die, it goes in the ground. It bears much fruit." And Andrew and Philip were like, "Okay." <laughs> I don't know. But here he's answering. He said, how are the Greeks going to come? How is the world going to come? Aren't you the Messiah of Israel? Aren't you here to to bring God's people? And here he says, if I'm high and lifted up, when I come and die, when I get on the cross and God's wrath is poured on me, I'm going to draw the whole world. I'm going to draw... Jews and the Greeks and the barbarians and the you know all the different all the different peoples I'm going to draw them all to me. And so that's how God's name is going to be glorified. It's going to be glorified at the cross. It's going to be glorified in the judgment of the world, in the judgment of Satan and in the drawing of God's people to himself. Got me?
You understand? Now, the crowd is really confused. Because they expect, they expect some kind of political war bringing conqueror Messiah to come. And what they're getting is this guy saying, Oh, hi guys, I'm just coming in to die. I mean, in, in their mind, he, he looks like a weak That's what nobody. They're expecting this big kahuna, and he's coming in as what they think of as a that Right, now, easily. yeah, he's coming, with, in his mind, I'm coming to conquer by dying. In their mind, you know, what good are you going to do by running into the city and dying a week later? I mean, there's no... It's, yeah, yeah. See, you couldn't say that in most Sunday school classes. Terminator Jesus. All right, look at verse 34. It says, uh, Then the people answered him, We have heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever. He's saying, Wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. We've heard, we were taught, we've known all this time that when the Christ comes, He's going to sit on the throne of David. He's going to rule with an iron scepter. He's going to rule the nations of the world. And we're going to be His people. And we're going to, you know, and it's never going to end. The kingdom's never going to end. He says, How sayest thou that the Son of Man must be lifted up? They knew what He was talking about, but His death. How sayest thou that the Son of Man must be lifted up? They said, Who is this Son of Man? Where do we get Son of Man language? Thank you very much. Have we all learned that by now? The Son of Man is the conqueror of Daniel. That is what Daniel said. I saw one like a Son of Man rise up to the throne of the Ancient of Days, and he was given a kingdom that will never be destroyed and will last forever and ever and ever. That's what Jesus said he was, the Son of Man. And so the people were saying, you said you were the Son of Man. But we read that the Son of Man endures forever, that he's going to receive a kingdom from the Ancient of Days. And we've read that he's, you know... That all this, and you're saying, how's the Son of Man going to be lifted up? He says, who is this Son of Man you're talking about? This isn't the kind of Son of Man that we that we know, this conquering king that's coming. And here is where we get to a point where it's right at the end of Jesus' public ministry uh, because he doesn't even answer the question. Um, he said, then Jesus said to them, yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whether he goes. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may be children of light. These things spake Jesus, and he departed, and he hid himself from them. And that's it. And so, understand, they, they wanted explanation. How is it that you think that you're a son of man if you're coming to die? We're, we've read in the law, we've read in the prophets that the son of man is going to endure forever. Kingdom's going to endure forever. Who is this son of man that you're talking about? And Jesus, it's almost the picture. In, this is just the picture in my mind. It's like Jesus just like, just walk in the light as you have an opportunity. The light's almost gone. It's not a week in a week. I'm gonna be crucified, and he says, "You just have to believe. You got to believe." He says, "Believe in the light while you have the light, because the time's coming when you won't have it anymore, and it'll be gone." And so he's saying, he's saying, "You either believe me, or you don't believe me." You ever met that guy who is? I can't believe what you're talking about until you answer 
you know, how, how did the world get here? And what about the dinosaurs? And what about the, you know, and there's nothing wrong with asking those questions. I love doing that. You know, I love talking. I don't have all the answers, but I love looking for the answers. But, and I've said this before, you and I can never argue somebody into the kingdom of heaven. I can never provide you enough answers to say, okay, I think I've got enough now that I'm going to trust in this Jesus. It's a supernatural transaction that takes place where the Spirit of God just, you, you give over and say, you know what, I'm just going to trust Him. Even though I don't have all the answers, even though I don't know all these things, these people had heard about Jesus and the gospel and all those things. He had been around three years, traveling through Jerusalem, through Galilee, through all around the area, teaching, preaching, healing, doing all those things. This was not the first time Jesus had come into Jerusalem. And so all these people had known, and finally, you know, when they had come out and it was His time to die, it was His time to come to the cross, it was, it was the final Passover that Jesus would spend, they said... Explain to us how you're the Messiah when you're saying you're just coming to die. And he's saying, I'm coming to die. And you're just, you're going to have to trust. You're going to have to trust in that death. Believe me while you have the light. Make sense? You ever notice, I, I, am, I fall into the trap sometimes. This is me, myself. You may not be this way, but I want to know, I want to know before I can trust that God is going to fix it, I want to want God to tell me how He's going to fix it. See what I mean? Like, like I, I know you got, I know you got a plan to get me from A to B, but just tell me the route, and then, and then I'll trust that I'm going to get to B. I can't just start walking from A and just hoping I'm going to make it to B. I fall into that trap all the time. Even on my phone, my GPS, you know, like I'll, it'll say, it'll show you the route, you know, and you push start, and then all it'll tell you is like, turn left here, and then in three miles, turn right, and that's it. I'm always the one that hits. I want to see all the steps. I want to see how I'm going to get there, and the deal, and so, and so, but God doesn't work that way. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, I mean, it just, it makes it, it would make it easier for me to trust Him if I knew Okay, he's going to bring me right up here and then I'm going to turn left and this is how I'm going to get around this obstacle. And it would, make, it would make faith obsolete because I already know how it's going to work. See what I mean? Therefore, I wouldn't need faith because I'd have knowledge. If I had knowledge of how I'm going to get there, I wouldn't need faith. I think that's all us want control. If we know how it's going to end, then we feel like we have a little bit of control. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not just how it ends, but how I get to the end. Yeah. Do what? Yes, I'm a detail person. Yeah, just give me, throw me a bone. <laughs> that's right. Well, that's what they wanted. Who is this son of man, and how is this going to work? You believe. The whole thing. Yes. Yes. And not only were they, and you still see that today. People will take matters of it's called eschatology, the study of the end times. They would, they'll take that and they'll run with it and they'll say, you know, when Christ comes, then 
Russia's going to send black helicopters over to the, you know, they'll just tell you the steps of how it's going to go, you know. It's like, whatever, man. I don't, you know, I don't know. But that's what we, it's what they wanted. But you can see a little of that in ourselves as well, because it's what I want to. You know, like I, I can catch myself worrying about how this is going to end up when I know the Bible says, just trust me, don't worry about this, don't worry about what you eat, what you wear, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these other. And I catch myself like, well, I know I'm going to get there. But show me how I'm going to get to you know, and so I, that's what they were doing, and that's what that's what we do. And the last word that he says, verse 36, is he said, "You believe to so walk in the light, while well, the light's with you." And then at that moment, he said, "It says he left him. He ducked out. He ducked out. He departed and he, and did hide himself from them." How, what did that consist of? I have no idea. Don't ask me. I do not know. It was a huge crowd. Maybe he just got lost in the crowd. Maybe he miracled himself away. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Valerie don't like it when I use miracle as a verb. <laughs> All right. Now, we got to go quickly on these last few verses because we, oh, we're way out of time. They had plenty of evidence. But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him. And this is, this is why this unbelief was foretold in the prophets, that the sayings of Isaiah, which is Isaiah, the prophet might be fulfilled, which spoke, Lord, who hath believed thy report, who, to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed. Now here's the very important, 39, you're going to have lots of questions, and I'm sorry I'm almost out of time. 39, therefore they could not believe, because that Isaiah, Isaiah and say, again, he hath blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted, and I should heal them. These things said Isaiah when he saw his glory and spoke of him. They could not believe because he had blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts. What's the first question that comes to mind? What's the first statement? That's not fair. Right. Well, that's what Why would he do that? Because they, they going to be hardened anyway. Right, that, and they had reached a point where... You know, like you, you have that story of the fire burning over that stump, you know. They had reached a point where they had rejected and rejected and rejected and rejected. And like Romans 1, they exchanged the glory of God for a lie. So God turned them over. Turned them over for what they wanted. And so from this point, since Jesus hid themselves, from this point, I'm making a generalization here. I can't prove it or anything. But it seems that from this point, these particular people were judicially hardened by God. Now that doesn't mean that they had never had an opportunity. You've heard it a million times. Like if God comes and pulls on your heart today and gives you an opportunity, guess what? He don't ever owe you another one. And He don't ever have to give you a chance or opportunity. You know, so they had Jesus with them for three years, preaching, teaching. He'd been in the temple preaching and teaching. Pharisees and the people we're talking about here, they had heard His message over and over again. They had seen the signs. They had seen all these things. And now Jesus gives them last words before He departs and spends the last week with His disciples. He says, believe or you don't. And then He hid Himself from them. And then it shows us how their unbelief is fulfilled in the Scripture of Isaiah. That's scary, isn't it? Yeah, yeah that, that is sad. Yeah. And so, verse 41, think about this. I don't have time to go into it, but think about this. Verse 41 says, Those, th These things did Isaiah when he saw his glory and spoke of him. 
What glory was he talking about right there? What passage are we talking about? Where is that quoted from that we just quoted? Blinded their eyes. Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6. What was Isaiah chapter 6? You don't have to read it. You should know. In the year that King Uzziah died. And his train filled the temple. Right here in John chapter 12 verse 41. Who was sitting on the throne? Whose train filled the temple? It was Jesus. It was the second person of the Trinity. It was Christ. He said he saw. Isaiah spoke these things when he saw his glory. And spoke of him. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers, many did believe. That's what he said. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. Why? For they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. We, we're going to have to just stop. And I'll, I'll finish, I guess I'll finish chapter 12 next week. Because I wanted to get through those, but we just don't have time. Huh? <laughs> no, but I, 